with the first pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. It is currently 10.30 at night, two beers deep, the perfect time to record the first ever episode of the Across the Draft podcast. Welcome aboard, friends. My name is Corey Kinnan, and I will be taking you on a tour through all things NFL Draft, from scouting reports to big boards to having some fun with some mock drafts. We're here, and we're here to do it fucking big. So welcome. Before we get started, I should let you know that any and every scouting report that I do, I am uploading into a public drive. The link can be found in my Twitter bio, at RealCoreyKinnon. So in there, right now, I only have eight quarterbacks, a couple running backs, and Chase Young done. But as I get them accomplished, get them complete, I'm just going to upload them as soon as I get them done. And hopefully by the time the draft rolls around, there will be hundreds of them in this public drive that, again, you can find on my Twitter bio, at RealCoreyKinnon. And then for me, it'll be easy just for me to arrange them and have a big board done. So good for me, good for you. All right, today we are talking about quarterbacks. In the preseason, it seemed like there were really only four big names that were talked about as potential first-round quarterbacks, um, guys that that could come in uh, and change a franchise. So those guys were Jordan Love, Tua Tagovailoa, Jake Fromm, and Justin Herbert. As the 2019 season has gone along, though, uh, about three other names have been added to that list. Uh, I will say Derek King was kind of on that list for me uh, and for, for others as well. Um, but he has decided to redshirt. Not new news to anybody at this point, but decided to redshirt, and he will be back at Houston next year uh, after they got off to a slow start. Um, but again, as, as the season's progressed, three more names added to that list in uh, Jalen Hurts after he transferred from Alabama to Oklahoma. And under Lincoln Riley has been tearing shit up. Uh, he's find him, found himself firmly in the Heisman race. Um, they did take a defeat today. They took an L from Kansas State, but he still put up three touchdowns and close to 100 yards on the ground and uh, another close to 400 yards passing. Um, so their loss really, really can't be put on, on Jalen's shoulders. Um, also added is Jacob Eason. Uh, he was kind of talked about preseason, but kind of a wild card because he hasn't taken a snap since 2016 for the University of Georgia, where he was injured, uh, redshirted, transferred to Washington back home, and after Jake Browning finally graduated after what seems like 18 years, uh, Jacob Eason has finally taken over the wings um, at Washington and has also been playing pretty well. Uh, and then thirdly, the third name on the list that has entered the conversation is LSU's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow transferred uh, from Ohio State to LSU after he lost the starting job last offseason to Dwayne Haskins, first-round pick of Washington last draft. Um, started at, at LSU last year, but didn't really look like anything special. He beat Georgia, uh, kind of his claim to fame in 2018, but this year has put together quite a performance. He's up there, probably the leader in the Heisman race at this point, and is firmly, firmly in the conversation as a top five pick. Um, so those are the seven guys. We've got Love, we've got Herbert, we've got Fromm, we've got Hertz, we've got Burrow, we've got Eason, and we've got Tua. So those are the seven guys that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so at first, what we're going to do is I'm going to run through, rank them from seven to one, uh, do a little small QB big board for you. Uh, I'm going to break down each prospect as we go down the list, 
and then I'm going to identify a biggest riser in the class, a biggest faller in the class, and maybe a sleeper quarterback that you haven't heard of that that might be worth investing some time into. And then after that, I'm going to go through that list of seven again, and then I'm going to try my best to identify an NFL team that might be able to use the skill set of that prospect most effectively and efficiently uh, in their NFL careers. Uh, So first on the list, number seven, start the countdown. Cue the soundboard, whatever you got to do, we're rolling. Number seven, I have to put Utah State's Jordan Love. Entering this offseason, I knew some people that had Jordan Love as number one on their big board, the quarterback big board entering this season, just because they can fall in love with this this arm talent, his ability to fit the ball into some tight windows, as well as his mobility um, that came along with this big 6'4", 220 frame. Um, But so far in the 2019 season, Jordan Love has not looked like an NFL quarterback. Uh, Right now, I currently have him sitting at a fifth round grade as he looks like he's regressed uh, from 2018 to 2019, completing just about 59.5% of his passes, just over 1,500 yards right now, seven touchdowns and nine interceptions uh, for the Utah State Aggies. I realize a fifth round grade might be a little bit harsh, but I do that intentionally. So that way when a special prospect does come around, he can really separate himself. So right now, Jordan Love is not separating himself. He doesn't look like a big time talent. And right now he might fall in the first round still just because teams get desperate for a quarterback. I mean, for God's sake, Daniel Jones and Josh Allen went in the first round for the Bills and the Giants. So anything is possible. But right now I wouldn't take the risk. There's a lot of reasons for apprehensions with Jordan Love. First and foremost, he just doesn't throw a pretty ball. If there's any sign of pressure in his face, if there's a man in his face and he's forced to get rid of it before he wants to, it's a sitting duck. Uh, It's end over end, and it's just not a pretty ball. It makes it harder for his receivers to catch the ball, and it makes it harder for him to get any sort of distance on his throws. Uh, ball placement is a, a big issue for him as well. Uh, he oftentimes throws it behind the receivers, and, and again, it prohibits his receivers from making a play on the ball uh, and making any sort of any sort of yak, any yak ability is out the window. Um, they just have no opportunities for yards after the catch. He takes a lot of bad sacks. If you go back and watch the LSU game, there's at one point they're bringing a three-man rush. He does not stay in the pocket, allows the end to get outside of the tackle box, and takes a sack against a three-man rush in the LSU game. For a man that has the mobility like Love has, I have no idea how his pocket awareness is so bad and how he has terrible escapability out of the pocket. It looks like his footwork is awful. His feet are like cinder blocks as he sits in the pocket. He's rattled easily. He's terrible at improvising, and he just he, he's not good at working off of schedule. Uh, so if his first or second read isn't there, he's due to panic, he's due to get rattled, uh, and he's due to make a bad play. With that being said, he does have the arm strength, the fire of the ball into some tight windows. He can put the ball in a line, um, and throwing the ball over the middle is his strong suit. Um, but again, I, I have a lot of apprehensions towards Jordan Love, and so far in the 2019 season, he has not shown me anything where if I were an NFL GM, I would feel comfortable investing any sort of first-round pick in him. Uh, from here, we're going to move to Jalen Hurts. So... Jalen Hurts wasn't on the list preseason. Good for him for working himself back in the conversation after getting benched at Alabama. Goes into a Lincoln-Riley offense, and he has been electric for the Sooners. Uh, But part of me really struggles to dissect Jalen Hurts, to analyze him, because it really seems like 
the game is, has been really simplified for him, really dumbed down for him, and it looks like Lincoln Riley has done a great job of hiding any sort of weaknesses that Jalen Hurts has. Uh, Jalen Hurts does have adept arm strength. I'll give him that. It's probably not on the level of Jordan Love, definitely not on the level of, of, of Tua or Herbert or Eason, any of those guys, but he's got adept arm strength. Um, and he excels at throwing to the boundaries. Uh, he, he's, his footwork, I would say, is, is good. Uh, he resets his throw for how mobile he is and how often he's on the run. He does a good job at resetting his feet before he's ready to throw. Um, and because he has good mobility and Oklahoma tends to run some long developing plays, some long developing routes, he does a good job of using his feet to his advantage to navigate the pocket well, to keep the play alive, uh, and to bide time for those routes to, to develop before hitting, you know, CeeDee Lamb 50 yards down the field and, and letting him run after the catch like he does. Um, but as far as weaknesses go... I mean, he doesn't have overwhelming zip on the ball. Again, he can make plays. He's got a good enough arm to to compete at the next level, but he doesn't have overwhelming zip. Um, His deep ball needs some work as well. Uh, There's a ton of times even wide-open receivers are underthrown, which he can get away with it because, again, there's nobody 10 yards between the receiver and the football. Um, So he can kind of get away away with it there. Um, passes over the middle, he can tend to leave high, which in the NFL, that is a big problem, and he's going to get a lot of receivers in his face if he's leaving balls high over the middle and hanging his receivers out to dry. Um, I think my biggest complaint with with Jalen Hurts, though, is it seems like the Oklahoma offense has been designed for him to where if the first read isn't there just to take it and hit a lane. Um, So I see a tendency for him um, to, to not let plays develop, but if he sees a lane, just go ahead and take it off when, when he could be trading seven yards, uh, for 20, um, where, where he, he might have a receiver that would come open down the field if he would wait for a route to develop or for a crosser to come open. Um, but it seems like he, he just has a tendency to tuck and run, um, if the first read isn't available or, or if it just doesn't develop before he sees a lane, um, and he's also prone to the occasional hero ball. So, so Hertz can every once in a while want to make a play. I mean, he's in the Heisman, the Heisman conversation, so he wants to stay in the Heisman conversation. And I just think every once in a while he has the ability to make a really stupid play. Um, but with that being said, I mean, he's putting up fantastic numbers, especially as a grad transfer from Alabama where it just looked like, man, this guy's going to be an undrafted free agent with maybe no NFL career ahead of him. Uh, but he's turned that into a 74% completion percentage. He's thrown for over 2,000 yards already, 20 touchdowns, three interceptions, and he's rushed for an additional 705 yards and 10 touchdowns. So, I mean, he's sixth on this list. I also have him as a fifth round grade, um, but Hertz has done a better job. Um, he's developed nicely. Either that or Lincoln Riley has just really dumbed the game down for him. Um, but I, again, I think that Lincoln Riley has masked some weaknesses, making him a hard eval. Um, but again, I would not feel comfortable investing a first-round pick in Jalen Hurts either. Uh, brings us to number five. Number five, I would say, is Jacob Eason from Washington. Um Another guy who transferred, lost a starting job and transferred. So 2016, Jacob Eason, five-star recruit, he, the whole nine yards, the, the big guy on campus at Georgia, gets hurt. Jake Fromm comes in, plays really well. Jacob Eason loses his job. Jacob Eason redshirts, transfers back home to Washington, sits behind Jacob Browning, and finally is ready to play again. Uh, he's a redshirt junior, 6'6", 227. 
Dude is a big boy with a big time arm. I feel comfortable saying that Eason will go in the first round just because there is going to be an NFL team out there that is going to fall in love with his cannon. Um, but other than that, Eason is very raw, and there are some aspects of his game because he has such a big-time arm that teams and people have been willing to overlook to this point. Um, first of all, if you watch a Washington tape, you will notice that there are a ton of drop passes from Washington receivers. And if you watch it, it's because Jacob Eason has no touch on his passes and he's throwing darts on six-yard crossers so fast that his receivers just don't have the ability to haul them in. Uh, so a, a big weakness of Eason's is that he struggles with touch. He, he, he has that big arm, but he does not know how to wield that cannon. Uh, he also has a pretty good internal timer and a really good pocket presence. He is your prototypical old-time quarterback. He's not of the, the Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts mold. He's cut from the cloth of the old-time quarterback, the hang in the pocket, the keep the feet moving, eyes downfield, and, and hang in there as long as you can before before tossing the ball downfield. Um, but for, again, as for his big-time arm, he, he struggles with this deep ball. One of my biggest pet peeves in quarterbacks is when they throw a deep ball, but the ball lands either out of bounds or way too deep where they don't even give the receiver a chance to make a play. And more often than not, that's the case with Jacob Eason. Uh, if you're throwing a ball down the sideline, you have to make sure that you can keep it inbounds so that your receiver has an ability to make a play. Uh, early on in, in, in the 2019 season with Washington, it also looks like Eason is a little bit hesitant or anxious to let it rip. I see a lot of double pumps. I see a lot of hesitancy to throw the football. Um, and I think a lot of that as well, uh, I see him having a hard time maybe dissecting what's going on in the field or on around him. It seems like he's having a hard time quieting his mind. Um, and it looks like it's just his, his mind is running a million miles an hour while he's out there trying to, trying to work through his progressions. Um, so again, he, right now he's sitting at 67.4 completion percentage. He's right around 2,000 yards, 16 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. Um, I have him currently listed as a fourth round grade. Uh, he has the ability to, to improve upon that, but again, he has to learn some touch and he has to learn the ability to let his receivers make a play on the ball down the field. Heading to number four, this is where it starts to get a little hot takey, but my f number four quarterback right now is Alabama's Tua Tungavailoa, who came into the preseason as most people's undisputed number one quarterback. First of all, he didn't come into the 2019 season for me as the, the number one quarterback, but he did come in as the number two. But right now he sits at number four for me. And even after this ankle, his second ankle injury on the same ankle, and now he's opted for surgery. Hopefully he's back by the LSU game. Uh, but that's going to dock his score a little bit for me too and cause even more hesitancies. Um, but right now I have him at a second round grade. Um, with 74.7 completions percentage, 2,100 yards, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, two additional rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, but he's really limited his, his, his rushing touchdown and hung in the pocket a lot better this year. Um, improvement from last year, Tua played a lot of hero ball, just launching the ball downfield when in doubt. You know what? I'm going to give my guy a chance to make a play. 
This season, it seems like he's a lot more adept at taking the check down, um, at taking what's open rather than trying to hit the home run every play. Uh, His arm talent is unquestionable as well. He can throw the ball in a line, and he's fantastic with his pinpoint accuracy on those quick slants, hitting things over the middle of the field, the the deep crossers. Another, I mean, again, another big improvement this season is is his ability to navigate and slide through the pocket and keep his eyes downfield. Um, he's got a great pocket presence and uses his mobility to his advantage. So there are a lot of things to liken to a Tungavailoa. However, there are some glaring weaknesses to his game as well, and he is not this perfect prospect that everybody is making him out to be. While he may still be the number one overall pick, at least top five, I can almost assure that he'll be a lock to go top five. I think there are a lot of things that he needs to work on still. One, which we give Mitchell Trubisky so much shit for this, but he is so inconsistent and the ball placement and accuracy is so bad when he is throwing to the left. Whether it's him throwing behind his body or just straight up throwing to the left, the ball placement is high often, he misses his targets, he just it's something that he needs to clean up and work on. I'm not a quarterback traditionalist, and I'm not on board with, with saying short quarterbacks don't have a place in the NFL, but when Tuatunga Vailoa has pressure in his face, he tends to leave the ball high over the middle. Uh, I don't know if this is because he needs to throw it high to get it over the defender that's crowding his face or what, but his accuracy in his ball placement is high when he's got a man rushing at his face. But who knows, a 6'3", a 6'4", six, six, quarterback, probably the same issue. Um, but that's something he needs to work on, um, something he needs to bring down. Tua has done, again, a much better job of not playing hero ball, trying to make the Heisman moment play every single time he drops back to snap. But it seems like when he gets towards the goal line, those tendencies come back out of Tua. If you take a look at the Tennessee game, the interception in the end zone, throwing into triple coverage another time, it just seems like once he gets closer to the goal line, blunders the chance of a blunder increases. Um, so again, whether that's composure, poise, whatever it is, Tua needs to needs to to realize the situation that he's in and rise to the moment rather than attempting to make the, the, the big play, um, but just be within himself and ride with the flow of the game. Moving on to number three, again, kind of hot takey because a lot of people aren't very high on him, but I remain a big fan of George's Jake Fromm. At 6'2", 220, uh, completing 70% of his passes this year for 1,400 yards, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. His production is not off the charts compared to Tua and Burrow and Hurts, who are all over 20 touching or passing touchdowns. Um, again, Fromm with nine, it's not going to jump off the charts. I can understand why people are down on, on him. But when I take a look at his film and when I watch him throw, he makes some big-time throws And there is not a quarterback in this class with pure mechanics than what Jake Fromm has. His footwork, his mechanics, everything off the charts. The intangibles are there. Some NFL team is going to land Jake Fromm, and they are going to be very happy for over a decade. I might be willing to say that out of every quarterback in this class, Jake Fromm might have the longest career. Uh, He just has all the intangibles that a team would look for in a franchise quarterback. The throws that Aaron Rodgers makes a living on, those little back shoulder 15-yard darts, he sees man coverage, he just rockets it to the, towards the sideline to the back shoulder of his re- receiver on the outside. Jake Fromm is making those throws for Georgia this year. Uh, his ball placement and accuracy on his short throws are, are good, but the problem is, is he's throwing a lot 
of short balls. And I think he needs to be a little bit more risky and, and not take the check down as often as he does, but rather try to push the ball downfield a little bit more, try to stretch the defense, uh, because right now he is hitting a lot of shallow crossers and a lot of dump offs. So that would be great to see him stretch the field a little bit more. Uh, he doesn't have the elite arm strength either that, you know, Herbert or Eason has, um, but his arm strength's good enough to make it at the next level. Arm strength is more of a threshold than it is like a percentage. It doesn't matter if you have the strongest arm in the world, but as long as you meet an arm strength threshold, like, yeah, my arm is strong enough to compete at the next level, then you're good to go. And, and Jake Fromm definitely meets that threshold. So I have no problems hanging my future in the balance of Jake Fromm's hands. Uh, I think he's got the big-time poise. I think he's got the intangibles, the mechanics, the footwork, and he just screams franchise quarterback to me. Um, He excels from the pocket. He's unafraid to take the big hit. He's a natural throw of the football, and he by far is the smartest quarterback in this class. If you look at him, he is proficient at seeing where a blitz is coming from, knowing where the receiver is going to replace replace that blitzer at and hitting him. He's great at working through his progressions. Uh, He's great at looking off coverages, um, and he's always making the smart play. Again, that means a lot of the times he's just dumping it off, and I would like to see him push the ball downfield a little bit more. But at the end of the day, he's not turning the ball over, and he's making smart decisions with the football. What more could you ask out of a quarterback? Moving to number two on the list is Joe Burrow. The former Ohio State quarterback transfers to LSU, plays all right his first year, but has burst onto the scene as a fifth-year senior. Uh, six foot four, 216 pounds, currently is completing close to 80% of his passes. He's over 2,500 yards now after his performance today against Auburn. He's over 30 touch. He's at 30 touchdown passes, and he's at only four interceptions on the season. That production is insane. The leap that he's taken from 2018 to 2019 is the biggest of anyone in this class. Joe Burrow went from a day three flyer preseason to a guy who looks like a top five lock. He has displayed enough arm talent to, 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 to meet the, that threshold of being able to, to compete at the next level. He looks like he's got the best deep ball in the country. He's making a great deal of back shoulder throws. He's got great footwork. He's throwing from a solid base. And most importantly, he is showing some big time balls. This man has shown some poise, some grit. He is grinding out tough plays when the Tigers need them most. And that's one of the main reasons they're sitting at, at undefeated in the number two team in the country. Uh, I just beat another top 10 team today. He's smart with the football, knows when to throw the ball away or tuck it. Uh, I mean, this guy has made a leap this year, and he's currently my quarterback two, first round grade. And quite frankly, he's not far behind my number one guy in Justin Herbert from Oregon. Justin Herbert has been a guy this year has, who hasn't done anything to hurt his stock, hasn't done anything to help his stock. But if he enters the season as my number one quarterback and he hasn't done anything to hurt his stock and I still like what I see on his 2019 film, he's still going to be my number one quarterback. And he has some tools. I mean, he's got juice. At 6'6", 233 pounds, he can straight sling the football. If I'm a team who likes to push the ball down the field, Herbert would be my number one guy. Have him circled ready to send in the draft card. He can just straight up throw it into some windows that you just can't imagine there being a way that a ball would get in there. Uh, He's got the arm talent that cannot be taught. 
his mechanics are off the charts. Footwork is off the charts. Uh, he has the ability to throw accurate balls both on the move and when his feet are set. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of credit for it, but he's got ample mobility and escapability to keep plays alive as well while keeping his eyes downfield. And he navigates the pocket well. I am so impressed when I watch Herbert see a blitz and not even blink because he trusts his teammate to be there to pick it up. At one point, there was a free man running from the left side of, of, of the, the formation. Uh, he just looked it off, knew his running back was going right there to pick it up, hung in the pocket, looked downfield, made the strike. That is some big-time trust in your teammates, some big-time poise, and some big-time smarts. He's got a great internal timer, and he throws the ball with so much anticipation. People will knock him for his accuracy. Sure, he could be a little bit more accurate on his deep ball, but man, he just makes some throws that that blow my mind. Uh, last week against Washington, a guy draped around his ankles, just threw it without being able to step into the ball, slung it downfield into a tight window for a, like a twenty-yard gain. I mean, it's just, these are plays that you cannot teach. It's 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 the type of talent that you cannot teach. Herbert brings all that natural ability to the table, and it shows on film. You know, every once in a while, he can leave the ball on the wrong shoulder. Sure, he should work on his ball placement a little bit better. And yeah, it would be great to see Oregon ask him to do more than what they ask him to do. There are so many times when he's just throwing swings or screens as they're they're looking to get their speedsters out in space. So it would be it would be nice to see uh, Oregon ask him to do more. Uh, but but he shows on film that he has the ability to throw the ball down the field to the boundary, to the outside, inside, outside the numbers. It doesn't matter. This guy makes big throws. Uh, so that are that's my seven. Seven love, six hurts, five Eason, four Tua, three from two Burrow, one Herbert. All right. So obviously fastest riser in this class is Joe Burrow, without a doubt. Day three flyer to looks like first round lock. Top five lock at this point if he keeps up this pace. Biggest faller, Jordan Love. How can you go from from a projected first round pick to sitting at at seven touchdowns and nine interceptions? He just he hasn't looked good. He hasn't looked improved, and it looks like he's regressed. Uh, as far as a sleeper goes, that you should keep your eye on, uh, Virginia quarterback Bryce Perkins. He is a senior. He's six foot three, two fifteen. Transferred from Arizona State, uh, has to, this is his second year as Virginia starter. Uh, part of me wants to get a little hot takey here, and I've had a couple drinks, so why not? But other than maybe a little bit of arm strength, I'm not sure there's much difference between Bryce Perkins and Jalen Hurts, besides that little bit of arm strength in a Lincoln Riley offense. If you put Bryce Perkins in Lincoln Riley's offense, I'm sure he would be being talked about as a, a, a top quarterback in the class as well, the way that Hurts is. Uh, he's got great mobility escapability when the pocket collapses. Uh, he navigates the pocket well, keeps his eyes downfield. His eyes are always active. You can tell he's working through his reads. He's currently only sitting at 63.4 completion percentage, over 1,500 yards, eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's added 253 rushing yards and five extra touchdowns on the ground as well. Um, but again, you put him in a Lincoln Riley offense, he's probably got 703 yards and 10 touchdowns like Jalen Hurts does on the ground. Um, and you can just tell that he's a big time leader for the Cavaliers. Uh, if you take a look at the Florida State game, leads that comeback all the way down the field. It plays a really gritty 
last drive of that game. But again, Perkins isn't going to be a day one, probably not even a day two pick. He just lacks the arm talent to push the ball down the field. You can really see him throwing his back into his deep balls, uh, which causes that rainbow effect on the deep ball that allows the the safeties plenty of time to track the ball, get over to help out the corners uh, down the field. His ball placement is high on his short to intermediate throws over the middle, and his throwing motion has kind of a wind-up to it um, that allowed the defenders to anticipate when he's about to throw the ball. On multiple occasions as well, I have noticed a bit of miscommunication on hot routes between him and his receivers, where his receivers will run one route, and the ball will be in a completely different place that, that Perkins is expecting the receiver to be. Uh, but he navigates the pocket well, keeps his eyes downfield, eyes are always active working through reads, but the arm talent isn't there, and for that fact, I just don't think that he's going to be a highly sought-after quarterback when the draft rolls around, but he could make a career as a, a as a lifelong backup, and, and guys have gone on for with 10-year careers as, as that, so there's worse things that he could be doing with his life, and he's put himself in that position to, to potentially hear his name called in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Um... Now that we're done evaluating the quarterbacks, this is the point where I'm going to go back through those seven that I listed off originally and identify an NFL team that I think would be really great for their skill set. Starting with my number one quarterback, Justin Herbert, I can't help but look at the weapons of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard in the Buccaneers offense, and look at how well Justin Herbert could do for them. If the Buccaneers decide that Jameis Winston and his 10 interceptions at this point in the season aren't worth another opportunity to run it back. He's in the fifth year of his deal. He doesn't have a long-term deal yet, which guys are getting new contracts in the fourth years of their contracts. doesn't bode well for Jameis. They could tag him, keep him for another year, and see how he works with Bruce Arians. But if they decide to keep him, don't want to go into a complete rebuild, Justin Herbert is a guy who could step in the learning curve between college and the NFL and a Bruce Arians offense for a senior I, I don't think that, that Tampa Bay would miss a beat and might even be better off with Herbert than, than Winston. So the Buccaneers are a team for Justin Herbert that I think would be an ideal skill set for him. Uh, Joe Burrow. All right. So with the second overall pick in the 2015 draft, the Tennessee Titans took Marcus Mariota after the Buccaneers took Jameis Winston. Marcus Mariota has not worked out. He hasn't been healthy. He doesn't seem to understand NFL defenses, and he just doesn't make plays. If the Titans could get a quarterback who could operate their run-heavy offense, it shouldn't be asking too much. Then they have the defense to carry them. And I think Joe Burrow could be that guy, a guy they, they just need to stretch the field every once in a while, a guy they need to make an accurate throw over the middle, a guy they need to hit the boundary with every once in a while. The throws and the plays that Mariota hasn't been able to make for the Titans, I think Joe Burrow could come in on day one and make those plays for Tennessee. They have an elite defense. They have playmakers. They've got Corey Davis, Derrick Henry, Delaney Walker. They've got seasoned vets. They've got young bucks. There's no reason this team shouldn't be competing and they shouldn't be sitting at a three and four record like they are. So Joe Burrow, Tennessee Titans. Jake Fromm, this is one of those situations where this team might not necessarily be looking for a quarterback, but the quarterback they have definitely isn't the answer, but he's only in his third season. If you put Jake Fromm in the Chicago Bears, they are winning the NFC North. Trubisky is not it, guys. He is shit. 
He can't throw to the left. He can't throw accurately anywhere for that matter. He's just not there. He can't read defenses. He doesn't work through his progressions well. He's been hurt. What is there to see to him? Could you imagine trading up with the San Francisco 49ers, a team that had no intentions of taking a quarterback, giving up a haul to move one spot in the draft just to take Mitchell Trubisky with the second overall pick? You played yourself, Bears. You played yourself. Get Jake Fromm. He can make all of the throws that Trubisky is missing out on, even though they're spreading the field, getting receivers open. Fromm can make those throws that Trubisky is not. Tua. Where does Tua go? For one, nobody's going to the Dolphins because I wouldn't wish that upon anybody at this point. And at this point, I don't believe the Dolphins need to force a quarterback in the first year of their rebuild. The Browns took Miles Garrett in 2017 with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes on the board and Trubisky, but they didn't miss out on anything there. They took Miles Garrett instead. I think the Dolphins could get away with doing that same thing this year, taking an elite edge rusher like Chase Young with the first overall pick, coming back and getting a quarterback the next year in 2021. So... With, the, with nobody going to the Dolphins because it's a place to go to die right now, poor Josh Rosen, the Bengals need something. They need to sell tickets. They're in a small market with a pretty bad owner, a nice young head coach. Andy Dalton, if you want to tread water every year, he's your guy. But if you want to, to get somewhere in your franchise, get a playoff victory for God's sake, get a quarterback who can get in there and make plays. Not only make plays, but he'll sell you tickets as well. Tua to the Bengals, I think, with Zach Taylor, Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. I think that would be a great fit for both the Bengals and for Tua. Number five, Jacob Eason. Los Angeles Chargers have a gunslinging quarterback who tends to be a little wild and inaccurate at time. Why not replace Philip Rivers, who's at the end of his career, with Jacob Eason, another gunslinger who's a little bit risky and inaccurate at times? You're not going to skip a beat. Jake Eason, Los Angeles Chargers. It's nice to meet each other. Swipe right, you're in. Jalen Hurts. This one was a hard one to place as well. Again, because I don't necessarily see Jalen Hurts as an NFL quarterback per se. But if an offense is designed around him, maybe it could work. And one offense that I see that could work for him is the Carolina Panthers. They have Kyle Allen, who's playing really well right now. Well, really is a a relative term. He's playing average right now, ranking in around 15th and 16th in both DVOA and quarterback rating right now for the Panthers. Uh, things could bottom out in Carolina. Kyle Allen could come back down to earth. Benching Cam Newton is probably already not setting a good precedent for, for somebody who's as high caliber as him. So they could be potentially looking for a new quarterback. Jalen Hurts runs a lot of quarterback power. Cam Newton runs a lot of quarterback power. They have small speedsters they like to get the ball to on the boundary. So Jalen Hurts wouldn't be asked to do a lot in the Carolina offense besides just get the ball to guys like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. That's an offense that I think could work for Jalen Hurts. Finally, Jordan Love. Another hard one to place just because I'm not sure that he's an NFL quarterback. But one team that I think could help him, could make him into an NFL quarterback is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger, big bodied guy, was a little bit thinner at the beginning of his career, a little more mobile at the beginning of his career, uh, has been there. He's probably nearing the end of his career. Uh, season-ending injury this year. Mason Rudolph has also been hurt. And then uh, Hodges is also, he's a game manager. I don't see them moving forward with him in into the distant future. 
another big-bodied quarterback with some mobility in Jordan Love, where he could rely on a strong run game that that James Conner provided in 2018. He's kind of trending back upwards now in 2019, uh, becoming more of a receiver out of the backfield as well to help out uh, a young quarterback like Love. Maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers could be a good landing spot for Jordan Love. Um, who knows? So there we go. Herbert to the Bucks, Burrow to the Titans, Fromm to the Bears, Tua to the Bengals, Eason to the Chargers, Hurts to the Panthers, Love to the Steelers. So that about wraps up our quarterback recap episode. Uh, I am planning to work through all of the position groups, and then I'm hoping as well to do a Mock Draft Monday podcast where I can run through a Mock Draft uh, as team needs change, as trades happen, as players move up and down the board. uh, Just have a little fun using the Draft Network's Mock Draft machine and and then just do a Mock Draft and and see what happens. Uh, For now, we're good. That's about all. I'm probably going to go have another drink. You guys have a great night, and thank you for listening.